0: And welcome to Say Hi to the Future, a podcast aimed at highlighting the human side of ingenuity, clever, inventive, and original thinking. My name is Ken Tenser, CEO of SpiderWorks, a leading business consultancy for mid-market organizations and entrepreneurs globally. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. With me today is Paul Smith, speaker, storyteller and author of three bestsellers lead with a story sell with a story and the 10 stories great leaders tell thank you for tuning in and i hope you enjoy the show
1: paul smith welcome to say hi to the future hey ken thanks for having me on i'm uh, happy to be here so paul three best-selling books about
0: storytelling well let me start with the obvious first question um what's
1: a story what makes a great story? What is a story? Which is a great first question, and almost never do I get asked that question. I'm, so I'm, I'm glad you did. Um, a story is a is a, a narrative about something that happened to someone. It's not the talking points of your memo. It's not the bullet points on your slide deck. It's not the message track that you are supposed to get through today in today's meeting. It's none of those. Are all very important things but they're not stories. A story is a narrative about something probably interesting that happened to someone. So as such, there's a, a time, a place, a main character. That main character's got a goal of some kind. There's probably someone or something getting in the way of that goal, like a, a villain, if you will. There are events that transpire along the way that hopefully resolve themselves nicely in the end. So those are the attributes of a story as opposed to look, Ken, there are three things uh, you need to do for me today. Or, you know, there are four things, four reasons why you should buy the product I'm selling. Or, uh, you know, th- those are lists, right. lists of important ideas. But none of those things are stories. Stories are, have those other attributes that I just mentioned.
0: Stories make things more relatable, um, more understandable, versus if you send me a list of three to five points, I've got to figure them out and understand how to relate them to myself.
1: Right. And which is why stories go well with those other things. They help explain those other things. You know, I I can, I can tell you, you know, there's three reasons why you need to buy the product I'm selling. Mm -hmm. And then I can tell you, well, let let me give you an example. An an example is going to be a story. I'm going to tell you a story about somebody using that thing that I'm trying to sell you, or I can tell you, you know, there, here's this uh, awesome idea that I'd, I'd like you to implement and then i can tell you now i'll tell you a story about somebody who did that thing so because i want you to see how it plays out in the real world I as you said i want you to see how it relates to other things so i'm going to give you an example and an example is almost always a story so tell us your story i mean where how
0: did you get from I and mean, you have a very strong successful corporate career how did you, and, and maybe this ties together perfectly, maybe it's something you saw or you understood or led to your success, but how did you move from, say, a corporate life to this incredible passion for storytelling and helping others?
1: Pretty carefully, I would say. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd love to tell you this romantic story about how I woke up one morning and just, uh, yeah, I quit my job and I'm going to go, you know, write books for a living. Um, I, it was a little more measured than that. I, I, I did develop uh, over the course of the first 15 or so years of my career an interest in storytelling. And mostly it's because I didn't know how to do it. And it took me that long to even recognize that it was an, an important skill. You know, they didn't teach me that in business school and they didn't teach me that at Accenture where I first worked. They didn't teach me that at Procter and Gamble I, where i spent 20 years. But once I realized that was an important skill to have, I was frustrated that I didn't already know how to do it. And so I started reading all the books I could find and still didn't know how to do it. And then I started interviewing leaders who I admired, who I thought were particularly good at it, uh, first inside the company that I worked at and then then outside. And at some point along that journey, I I realized, gosh, if I want to know this that badly, maybe other people do as well. And so it stopped being my own little personal learning journey Mm -hmm. and became an idea for a book. And that first book was lead with a story. And I, I pursued writing that book. I mean, I spent two or two and a half years researching and writing that book all while I still had that corporate job. Right. Um, and then when it finally, you know, got published, things started to change then the, the, you know, I, apparently other people did want to know how to do that. And um, so I, the phone started ringing pretty quickly and people wanted me to come and you know, teach their leaders how to be better storytellers. Um, and that's what ended up leading to me leaving the company and, and, and making this a full-time effort. But uh, all, all of that was a very uh, careful exit and entry into a new line of work. So, you, you focus obviously on
0: storytelling, but from what I understand from a more business or organizational perspective, can you talk to that? Because, I mean, we're used to, you know, growing up with fairy tales and princes and princesses and thinking of those as stories so how do you morph you know those childhood um understanding of, of a story
1: to, to to hard selling to hard corporate strategy yeah well it, it use a lot of the same skills we just tend to forget them uh you know somewhere in our teenage years i suppose but you know most kids know how to tell a story <laughs> it's, uh, right. the adults that seem to have forgotten um, so really much of what I'm doing is just kind of recodifying that for them so that it's easy to do you know here here's the structure of a well-told story, here are the eight questions your story needs to answer here are the you know techniques to create you know more emotional engagement, here's how you create a surprise ending. So uh, in, in some sense i'm I'm kind of helping us relearn what we probably knew more naturally or came more naturally to us. As children, but the same techniques work. And and as as adults, you know, there are professional storytellers. I mean, the, you know, the folks in Hollywood, you right. know, and you know, professional storytellers and um, you know, novelists. You know, I've figured out, you know, there, there's there's a, a method to the madness. And so, you know, I've I've adopted many of those techniques. And you, you have to adapt them a little bit to the corporate world. you know, you you don't have two and a half hours in a movie theater to enthrall an audience when you're telling a business story in a boardroom. You know, mm-hmm. you got you got two or three minutes, so you know that techniques have to be adapted a bit, and you know. But once you've once you've done that, you figured out how to do that, uh, they can all serve you well.
0: So, are are there a few things you can share with us that that help break through? Um, I don't want to say the stigma, but I mean, you walk into a room and and executives. they're not used to telling stories they're not used to lego play they're not used to all the different you know creative approaches that can actually break our our day-to-day our our day-to-day mundane and that may not be the right way to describe because most of us or many of us have wonderful careers
1: but it's it's very repetitive at best so how do you break that down yeah so if you walked into that board meeting uh, and it was your time, you know, in front of those executives and you opened up your, your comments by saying, well, let me tell you a story. You see, it was a warm September evening and the, the leaves were, you know, changing color and the, there was a smell of lilacs wafting through the air. I mean, they throw you out of the room, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, that might be great if you're curled up by the fire, reading your favorite novel or something, but that kind of storytelling is not what I'm talking about. Um, the kind of storytelling I'm talking about is so natural and flows so seamlessly in a conversation, those executives won't even know that you're telling them a story. You know, you, you'll walk in, you know, and you'll, you'll tell them, look, we, we've got a problem in the Idaho office. Here's what's going on. And then you tell them what's going on. three minutes later, you've told them a story about what's happening in the Idaho office that needs their attention. At no point did you say, let me tell you a story. In the beginning, this happened, and then this happened, and this happened, and here's the big ending. Like, you don't make a fuss about the story. So, and and the tone of your voice doesn't change, and you don't go into theatrics. (laughs) I mean, there's there's no indication that you're doing anything other than having a conversation with them. And that's what I a story in the corporate world, that's what it should be like. There should be no pomp and circumstance and no fussiness. And you're just having a conversation. Um, In fact, I specifically tell people, never tell them you're going to tell them a story. Never use the words, let me tell you a story. You know, if if your audience is a bunch of kindergartners, that might work great, but that will not work with executives. It's an immediate turnoff. Um, So you can use all the same techniques, but you don't announce those to your audience. You just Tell the story where it fits into the conversation naturally. And are there stories when you're working
0: with groups rather than um, you go you you call them by an organization you're working with a specific group to help them learn the the skill of storytelling. Are there stories that you leverage? And I'll I'll throw this out. I mean, when I'm I hate the word strategy and innovation, and that's what the the books that I've written and they've also been bestsellers and. Frankly, those words can kill a room. The story that I tell off the top is The Wizard of Oz. Because in two minutes, I believe The Wizard of Oz um, is the single greatest story about corporate strategy ever written, and that every other book, and maybe including mine, are, are just not worth our time. Um, it has a clear objective. It has a clear path. It has clear steps. and it has flying monkeys that are the barriers, <laughs> um, and and it's funny because by bringing in a little bit of the youth and the levity, I found that people will say, "Oh, this is my Oz moment," and this is how I see it. So, is is there value in that? Do you bring that type of storytelling to a general room to break them into the concept?
1: Most of the stories I tell are not as fanciful as that. they're they're just they're actual stories about real things that happen to real people in real business environments. Um but there there are a few that I use that are they're they're certainly not uh, famous ones like um, like The Wizard of Oz, but there are certainly some non-business stories that turn out to have business lessons. In fact, um, uh, one of the when I have a sales and marketing audience, I'll often tell a story about pigs. Believe it or not, <laughs> um, but you know that uh, it was an experience that I had literally trying to buy some art at an art fair with my wife, and we are literally going booth to booth to booth, and and we get to this one, and she's just mesmerized by this one photograph in this one artist's shop. Um, that to me looked about as out of place as a pig in the ocean. Because it was literally a picture of a pig in the ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and I just, it was crazy to me. I was like, well, that makes no sense. So I literally asked the photographer, dude, wh- what's with the pig in the ocean? Like, that's, that's silly, right? And he goes, oh, yeah, that's the craziest thing. He said, that I took that picture off the coast of this uninhabited island called Big Major K down in the Bahamas. And he yeah. said, apparently what happened was some uh, local entrepreneur decided to raise a pig farm for for bacon, I guess. And he found out there was this uninhabited island. He could p- keep the pigs for free, right? So he's no dummy. He's going to keep them on a the free place, right? But it turns out th- the only natural vegetation on the island was cactus. It turns out pigs don't like cactus. Like, who would, right? <laughs> How could you right. eat? So they, they were starving, right? Well, it turns out they got lucky that there was a local entrepreneur, a uh, restaurant owner on a neighboring island who was boating his kitchen refuse every night Over to Big Major K and dumping it overboard, literally like a few dozen yards offshore just to get rid of the kitchen scraps. Well, imagine you're these pigs, these starving pigs, and you see and smell this food floating out offshore. Well, even though you're not a seafaring creature, eventually, if you get hungry enough, you'll do anything, right? So, you know, eventually one little pig dog paddled or pig paddled his way out there to get the food. And then it's two little piggies and then three little piggies and Okay, so here it is, three generations later, and all the pigs on big major cake can swim, and that's how they learned. So he said when I got there to the island, they literally they swam out to my boat, and you know they thought I was the guy from the restaurant going to feed them. And he said I just leaned over the side of the you know boat and took a picture, it was the easiest picture I ever took, and one of my best sellers, right? <laughs> so you know at that moment I'm like, okay, we'll take it, sold for cash right now, and I, you know I tell that story because it's just a silly picture of a pig in the ocean, but. That's what made me buy that picture. I mean, there were probably dozens of pictures that would have met the need that my wife, we were looking for a picture for our kid's bathroom at home. Wasn't that important of a purchase, right? But, you know, and there are probably lots of pictures at that art fair that met our criteria. That's the right size and the right color palette and would match the decor and was affordable. But that's the one that's in our bathroom upstairs because that's the one that had an interesting story attached to it. All right, so that's what made me buy the picture. It wasn't the picture. It was the story that went with the picture. So that's just an, that's an example of a sales story. Now, does it sound like a sales story? No. What most people think of when they think of a sales story, they think of, look, Ken, there are three reasons why you got to buy this picture, right? You know, one, two, three. No, that's not a sales story. That's a sales pitch. And you, if you work in sales, you better have good sales pitches, <laughs> Right. But if you really want to be effective, in addition to those sales pitches, you should have some sales stories. And the story of the pigs—that's a—it's a story that serves a sales purpose. Ergo, it is a sales story. But it's not a sales pitch, and there's just two very different things.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. I—I uh, <laughs> will say that uh, swimming pigs is quite fanciful. True. Yeah. Not a fairy tale, but quite fanciful and really made a wonderful point there. So how, how do I, how do we as business people, as strategists in, in, or, or in the middle of organizations start to pick up or acquire this skill? Because, you know, as you said, it, it, it came to you over of years of research and practice. And now you tell it, you tell stories
1: seamlessly. But how do I, what's my first step? I think the first step is recognizing that it's a skill set that it would behoove you to to acquire. The second step is probably recognizing that it can be learned. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, most people, when it's like, it sounds like strategy is your forte, most people recognize that those first two steps, strategy is important. Um, and uh it would it would benefit me to acquire it and it can be learned like no there's probably nobody thinking out there oh strategy that's too hard for me i could never figure that out yeah. well sure you can right but you need to go learn it from somebody who knows how to do it somebody like you it sounds like mm-hmm. um you know if you wanted to learn to play the guitar you wouldn't just oh I could never learn to play well of course you can like but you'd need to go take lessons from somebody who knows how to play the guitar when it comes to storytelling people somehow think think it's totally different oh well i'm just not a natural born storyteller and you can't learn that kind of thing so i'm just i just can't i'll just never be able to do it well no it's it's yes it's an art form for sure but like learning to play the guitar you can learn it but you're not going to learn it by just deciding well i'll just start telling more stories and then i'll get good at it well maybe maybe you'll tell lots of really crappy stories you know (laughs) so yeah. Learn from somebody who knows. Read a book. Take a class. You know, Watch some YouTube videos. Learn it the way you would learn anything else. I mean, there are resources out there. That's why I do what I do for a living, but there are plenty of other people that do as well. Learn the right way. And then when you practice storytelling, you'll be practicing good techniques instead of just saying, well, I'll just go tell more stories you may be practicing lousy techniques and then you'll perfect them you'll perfect these lousy techniques and then all your stories will suck in the same way (laughs) you know so that's not what you want how do you sell that And, and, and what i'm thinking of here is i
0: mean soft skills to me are quantifiable they're countable um and and you go into a company and ultimately um i look at soft skills as hard skills because they impact the bottom line positively but but many or most leaders don't see that still so when you talk about storytelling to an organization is there a link back is there a link back that you can measure over time impact profitability
1: closing of deals i mean what 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 triggers them uh so largely no um and, and i find that to be the case with most soft skills it's it's very hard to quantify because you know very few companies have ever said okay for the next six months we're gonna tell awesome stories but we're not going to change anything else about our business practice and just see what a difference it makes. <laughs> you know, so there's always lots of things going on and it's yeah. it's too hard to disentangle that from everything else. I just I don't find myself in a situation of having to go into an organization and convincing them that storytelling is going to make a difference. Like if if you're not already convinced of that, why, just don't call me. I mean what, mm-hmm. you know. Um there are enough people out there who are convinced that call me that i don't need to go door to door knocking on them trying to convince people right. you know i think most people get it that it, you know it, it it works and they know that because it works on them right the, the these people are are at work when somebody sells them something and they realize oh that's that story that story of the pig is what made me buy that You know, picture. They recognize that they're in the audience when the boss gets up there and explains their new strategy in a way that they finally get and that they're motivated to go achieve. And it's probably because he or she told them a compelling story as opposed to held up the strategy document and read it to them word for word. (laughs) Like they've already read the document, they need to hear the story that goes with it. Um, So they know that it works because it works on them. And then they recognize, well, I don't know how to do that. And that's when my phone tends to ring. So um, now I do spend the first three minutes of every training course I teach sharing a story like that pig island story or strategy story, some other story that's relevant to that audience. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I do, they recognize, oh, that would work if I could tell stories like that. Then this class would be worthwhile, and I said, "Good," because by the end of the day, you'll be able to do that, <laughs> right? So all it takes is giving them one example of a compelling story, and they recognize, "Oh, wow, that was awesome! I can't do that. I'd like to," and and then then and now we're into training.
0: So, so tell us about that. About your workshops, your training. You said now we're into training. Tell us about some of the workshops that you do provide to help leaders.
1: Yeah. So you know, imagine a, a typical you know one day training class would. Uh, well, first of all. There's no pre-work. I don't insist that people go read my book ahead of time, right? That's just, that's too much work. But you do have to show up with a story in mind. So you got to show up in class because it's a real workshop. It's not me pontificating for a, a day, right? You need a real story to apply the techniques that I'm going to teach you. So you show up with a story. Then I, I cover some of the questions. Basically, you, you've asked me here, starting off with what is a story and what is it not? So they can mm-hmm. differentiate it from other forms of communication. Why does it work? Okay, some of the psychology behind why it's typically a more effective form of communication. When should you tell these stories, and when should you not tell these stories? Because it's not like you should walk around all day long just telling stories; that would just be weird, right? <laughs> um, but there. And then, what stories should you tell? What are the most important stories for a leaders to tell, or a sales and marketing person to tell, or an engineer to tell? And so, depending on who the audience is, you know, I cover. Here are the most important types of stories. Now, you should tell lots more than this, but this is where to start. Um, you know, and it may be, you know, here are five or 10 of the most important stories for you. And yeah. then we'll do a brainstorming exercise where they have to pick the, the two or three that are the most important out of that list for them. And then I'll have everybody share a story in, in a small group. So that story that they came in with, and by the way, all that happens in the first, say, couple of hours. Um, right. And then each group will choose one of those stories to be their team story for the rest of the day. And their job is to make that story as awesome as possible by the end of the day, using all the techniques that I'm about to teach them, right? And so that's when we shift into how. So we've already talked about what storytelling is and why it works, and when to tell it, and what types of stories to tell. But now we now we get into the nuts and bolts of how do you do it. And so that's when I cover the things that I mentioned earlier. What are, what's the structure of a well told? story at work you know what are the eight questions your story needs to answer what are the techniques to create the right emotional engagement how do you create a surprise ending which believe it or not it's important even in a, a work story how do you use dialogue and details in the in the right way and so we cover each of these modules and as we cover each one then i send everybody back to the group and I say okay now apply those techniques to your story you got 20 minutes go and they come back 20 minutes later. Okay, let's move to the next module. Okay, now you got another 20 minutes. Apply those techniques to your story. Well, by the middle of the afternoon, they're kind of done. They've, they've, they've improved their story. And now I ask one person um, at each group, one at a time, to stand up and, okay, now share your new and improved story with the whole room. And we all get to give feedback on it. And the purpose of that is to give everybody multiple opportunities to practice listening to a story, figuring out what's not working, and figuring out how to fix it. That way, they, they get multiple, like, uh, you know, sw- swings at the plate, if that analogy works for you, right? They yeah. get to practice this multiple times before they leave for the day. Now, there's a lot of stuff we do after class, but that, that's what happens in class. Does that, does that make sense? It does. It does. It
0: sounds like a wonderfully engaging day. And that, um, you know, what I hear, too, is that by telling the story, you have to dig deep and understand what is important to the listener, because the story needs to resonate, it needs to, to hit home with 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 a specific point. So, the story itself begets a lot of foresight and forethought, I guess, for the the teller of it.
1: Yeah, it does. In fact, one of the skills um, I, I teach folks is how do you get your audience to tell a story, and that's especially true for like sales and sales folks, um, because how will you know which of your stories to tell if you haven't really understood the problem that your Mm -hmm. prospect has. And you don't learn very much. And the reason it's important to get your audience to tell you stories is the same, are the same reasons it's important for you to tell them stories. Because it's just a more effective way to communicate. You will understand their problem better if you get them to tell you a story about the problem then if you get them to tell you what the problem is you know for example if i were to ask you ken what's what's the biggest problem your company's facing right now and, and you you might say oh warehousing warehousing is our biggest problem okay well what do i know not much other than the problem the biggest problem you have is somewhere in the warehouse that's all right. but that's all i know i can't fix right. that but if instead of asking you what's your biggest problem if i were to say can tell me about the moment that you realized your biggest problem was your biggest problem. Now you have to tell me a story. There's no way to answer that question without telling me a story about that moment. So you might say something like, Oh yeah, that would have been a couple of months ago when uh, we got this huge order from one of our biggest customers. And so we went out to the warehouse and we didn't have any of the product they wanted and they needed it in two days. And so we had to schedule a special production run, which cost a lot of money. And then of course we had to ship it to them, you know, expedited, which cost even more money. And we, we got it there just in time, but you know, we, 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 you know, lost money on the sale um, because it was so expensive to do. And then we went out to the warehouse and we found the product that they were looking for right where it should have been all along. Okay, now you know what the now I know what your problem is. You you have a warehouse inventory location problem, right? Like you you don't know where your own stuff is in your own warehouse. Now I can help you, but I had to hear that story before I could really understand what your problem is. And so you there are techniques to get people to tell you a story instead of just giving you these short you know answer short answers. And so yes, you need to do that first. And then you'll know which of your stories to tell them. Paul, thank you for that. That's
0: gold. That's gold. And, and I think for all of us, well, anybody in business at any point in their life is going in and trying to figure out <laughs> the, the real need or the root cause. And, um, boy, that really hammered it home to understand, to, to get them to tell the story about when they realized their biggest problem was their biggest problem. I will remember that as a pull out from the story for a long time, Because yes. I do hear many times when I, you know, if you start with, what's your problem? <laughs> my strategy's not working. Well, that, that narrows it down to the last 60 years of
1: my life. So, yeah. How do you know that your strategy's not working? Tell me about the moment you realized your strategy's yeah. not working. That would get you a, a better answer. So, not just the art of storytelling
0: itself but the art of drawing out a pointed story from the individual those are two critical things and paul smith it's amazing how quickly the time went by so um (laughs) as we're coming to a close today i i do want to i do want to ask um a a little bit of a a different question and and i'll lead into it by saying i um my one of my stepsons has special needs um, he was a private of Oxys Universe. So when I read about Kenny uh, Tedford and your book and your collaboration, I was going, okay, I, I need to read this all. Mm. So please tell me about Kenny. Tell me about your book, your collaboration, because it really,
1: that's a story that had a very emotional tie to, to me. Yeah. Yeah. So so being someone who kind of traffics in the storytelling world, um, I was speaking at a uh, the national storytelling conference uh, in uh, uh, Covington Kentucky maybe 10 years ago now. I-, I ended up on the it's one of those like three-day festivals where you know you talk for 30 minutes but then there's uh, hundreds of other people hmm. speaking right and so I did my thing and then I was on the front row of somebody else's performance and a guy comes in and sits next to me and right behind him comes this other uh, much younger man who grabbed the chair, and we're on the front row, imagine this. and this younger guy grabs a chair, pulls it out in front of us, turns it around backwards, sits in it, and is looking right at the guy sitting next to me. And the performance is right is about to start. And I'm like, dude, what's what's going on? Like you, you're, you're kind of distracting people. You need to like sit in the row like the rest of us, you know. And as soon as the performer up there started, this this young guy, started doing sign language and that, and I realized, Oh, Oh, okay. Of course the guy sitting next to me is deaf and this is his sign language interpreter. And then I thought, well, that's, that's pretty bold. We got, we got a deaf guy here at a three-day storytelling festival, you know, where all he's supposed to do is listen. And it's the one thing that he can't do. <laughs> right. Um, so I just thought that, that that just impressed me. And so I had to meet the guy. Well, I, I did get to meet him and he's his just life story is is amazing he was he was born um, deaf but also with because of uh oxygen deprivation in utero a number of other uh, challenges he's had to face uh, partially blind in one eye and a partial paralysis on one side and a, a significant learning disability and as a result he's just led this fascinating Life and his coping mechanisms have just been amazing. And, you know, his attitude towards life, you know, with, with all those challenges, I think that I'd just be a, a bitter, angry person. And he's just not. <laughs> he's just the most charming human being you, you'd you have ever met. And, uh, you know, at some point, I, uh, less than a year later, I, w- I got a uh, contract to write another book uh, on parenting with a story. And uh, he was the first person I thought of is I got to call this guy that I met at that conference because he's got a lot of great life stories. And so as I'm interviewing him for this book where I just need one good story for him to one page of this, you know, 100 page book, you know, I'm, I'm 30 minutes into this conversation. He's already told me like 10 fabulous stories. <laughs> and <I'm> like, what? <laughs> I said, dude, have you ever like written? You should write all these down. You should write a whole book just on your life. And he said, yeah, well, the people tell me that. But uh, you know, that's just one of one of my many challenges. Is I, I can't write. I just, I just, and I can speak and I can, I can tell stories that people seem to like. But when it comes to writing them down, I, I just, I can't do it. And that, can that's the moment that I said something that I think surprised me as much as it did him. I said, "Well, I'll do it, Kenny. I'll, I'll write your story." And that was the beginning of the, the journey. Well, so thank you for sharing that.
0: Thank you for doing that. Um, as I see and, and understand again in my parenting role, special needs begets um, special gifts. Mm-hmm. And, and, and too often those are overlooked. So Paul Smith, storyteller extraordinaire, thank you so much for your time today and for joining us on Say Hi to the Future. You bet, thanks for having me on. If you enjoy this episode and you want to support our show, leave us a review and join our mailing list by visiting www.spider.works. That's S-P-Y-D-E-R.works and subscribe to our channel. Leave us a comment with who we should interview next. Thank you for listening and see you all next Friday.